Hey, hey, thank you for listening to a podcast for moms. I'm your host, Julia Sparkman. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much. Welcome back. If you're new here, I'm so grateful to have you. Welcome. Today we are on episode 14, navigating your visions and goals during life pivots and times of uncertainty with our guest superstar, Jackie Carr. I personally have admired and respected Jackie for years, and I was beyond humbled and so grateful that she agreed to be a guest on the podcast. I have to admit, I'm a little bit of a fangirl, so yeah. At the beginning of the episode, Jackie will tell you a little bit about herself, so I'm going to tell you why I love Jackie. I love her because she's intelligent, and that's incredibly evident if you read any of her writing or speak to her, listen to her. She is um, just real sharp and she's down to earth. She's super funny and she's just really authentic. And I could go on, but I'll let you fall in love with her, yourself, for yourself. There we go. As you listen. And I don't want to give too much of the episode away, but to summarize, Jackie and I talk about life pivots, you know, not really being able to recognize ourselves or unsure of, you know, who we are, what we're doing, what we want. We talk a lot about motherhood in various stages, pregnancy, postpartum, being a mom, what that's like, mothering multiple children. And we talk about social media and we talk about visions and goals. So I want you to notice that I've been saying visions and I titled this, you know, navigating your visions, because when I reached out to Jackie to be a guest, I told her I wanted to selfishly talk to her because I had to ask, how the hell do I create a vision and set goals when I literally have no idea who I am or what's coming next? Um, My daughter quickly taught me that I can have plans and ideas, but I may, actually I most likely will have to change my plans because of, you know, differing family dynamics. Like what my vision is or what my goals may be kind of have, you know, rubbed up against who she is or what my husband needs or what we need collectively as a family. It's, you know, not just about me anymore. And with a baby on the way, I've been a bit lost as to how I even begin to imagine a future with so much unknown that's looming ahead. And I will share that my conversation with Jackie helped me get excited about the unknowns. She gave me permission to have multiple visions. So I've been, you know, experiencing different vision and goal setting workshops for well over a decade. And I've always just had one vision and Jackie introduced me to the concept of having multiple visions. And as I've shared, I've, you know, I tend to be a little bit of an anxious person. I like to have control and I like knowing what's going to come next. And the last couple of years, you know, motherhood and the pandemic, it fully awakened me to the realization that I have no control and I need to be open to things going the way that they're going to go. So Jackie, through sharing so many of the things that she shared, and also she spoke to 
the beauty of listening to your children and letting your kids' needs and personalities shape the direction of your vision and goals. So instead of me just like creating this vision for myself, I'm, you know, starting to invite in whom, you know, my family, my children, and and having a lot of different ways things can go. And it feels really good. And yeah, so I'm excited for you to listen. She drops a lot of realness, a lot of genius, and it truly helped me to relax into this season of unknowingness. And she also gives you a little call to action at the end. So definitely listen up for that. And if you feel called to take her action, maybe send me or her an email after you listen. Before we jump to the episode, I have something really exciting to share. Erica Gibson, she's a new mom and a very talented yoga and meditation teacher. She graciously is offering a podcast for mom listeners 20% off of her online yoga bundles. I personally purchased her prenatal bundle a couple of months ago, and I'm regularly telling her how much I love to practice with her online. She's super clear, super grounded, super thoughtful, super intentional. And so she kindly extended a discount code to the A Podcast for Moms community. She has both a prenatal bundle and a postpartum bundle, and she has other intentionally crafted bundles on there as well. So if you're you know, in a season where you're looking for something a little bit different than pre and postnatal work, she's got that for you too. And they're all available to you at 20% off. Uh, Erica's website is Erica Gibson, yoga.com. And the code is a podcast for moms 20 all together. And that can be found on the podcast for moms website and within the show notes. So go check that out. And it would also make a really great gift. The holidays are coming up, support small businesses, support mindfulness and taking care of your loved ones. And yeah, I wanted to mention too, that there's a lot of goodness in today's show notes. So you can find Erica's website and her code. And I also transcribed a few quotes Jackie said that I really loved. And she you know, rhetorically asked a few questions during our conversation. So I put those on there so we can take some time to ponder those questions she left us with. Definitely check out the show notes. They're available wherever you're listening to this podcast and also on the website. And with all of that, here is the beautiful and the brilliant Jackie Carr. Hey, Jackie, thank you so much for joining me on a podcast for moms today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I was right before we pressed record, I was telling Jackie how excited I am to have her here for so many selfish reasons because (laughs) I'm so inspired by you and I feel that we're in a similar junction of life, um, kind of like refiguring out who we are, not driving with Instagram, um, so on and so forth. So I I feel like we're going to have a really rich conversation today. But before we dive into those topics, I would love to hear from you. um, Who are you? Who were you before you became a mom? And what's your life like today? Oh, wow. I mean, that's the whole podcast. That's 80 questions in one. Um, 
today I'm a goal coach, a speaker, a mother, a writer, a daughter, a sister, a hiker, um, so many titles, someone very curious about <laughs> fungi and mushrooms right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm in a pivot, which I think a lot of us might be feeling post-pandemic. I don't know, still in a pandemic, whenever you're listening to this 10 years in the future. It's been a wild ride here in 2021. And before I was a mother, so before I had that hat that I beautifully wear, you know, I had many versions of myself again, you know, in college, I was a party animal, but in high school, I was very God squad. In elementary school, my mother taught at my school at um, elementary, middle, and so I was a um, type A do-gooder brown noser. So I've had many different lives, and I would say right before motherhood, um, I went through Saturn's return around 29 and definitely learned what I needed to learn so I don't have to learn it again in my 50s. And I got engaged. I got married. I moved from Chicago to LA to Colorado before having children, which I think is a pretty big geographic shift again and again and again. And I was definitely someone who was in like a really big ego conversation. I loved titles. I loved promotions. I loved being seen and liked. And I would say I had that as well up until the last year. Um, But that was definitely who I was. Someone who wore bright colors, neon even, like no joke. Um, Extravagant shoes are still something I love, but just a more muted palette up above. And I really sought validation from others more than myself. And I think as I moved into my thirties before I had children, it was really grounding to be in Colorado, to be in the Rocky mountains, to move somewhere. I knew no one and start over, so to speak beyond, you know, the depths that were Instagram and, you know, be so close with my partner. I traveled actually to Africa and came back and, um, you know, really learned a lot about myself and felt grounded in my identity before the big overhaul that is motherhood. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I was in a really good place before I became a mom. I was like, yeah, this is, I'm solid. And then that quickly shifted. Um, A funny story. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you because I've taken some of your online workshops and um, cross paths and other arenas. When I worked, I was a seasonal Lululemon employee and Mm -hmm. I believe it was winter of 2010, 2011. And you, I don't know if you were in LA or Chicago at the time, but you came to my store very early in the morning. It was in Bucktown in Chicago and you led the seasonal employees through a vision and goals workshop. And you super, like you were so hyped up by the management team. This is like pre-Instagram. So I I had no idea who you were at this point in time, but like, oh my God, Jackie, like she's so amazing. And you came and I was like, oh my gosh, Jackie's so amazing. But you were wearing these like super colorful Sorel boots. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, those are so cool. And so when you said like, like funky shoes, it's like that stuck in my head of how cool your boots were when you came um, to do our vision and goals workshop. Shout out to <laughs> Chicago Bucktown Lululemon. Um, so yeah, that was like practically 10 years ago now. So, I mean, elements have of you have remained, you know, you're still yes. vision, still goals, still cool shoes. Um, but yet you, one thing that I mentioned to you, uh, when I reached out to you saying that I was really interested in having you on the podcast is I was like, wow, so many things that you are sharing right now. And you're, you've taken a social media pause, but prior to the pause, you had posted this photo of yourself. You were wearing, you know, like a beanie and flannel and you're outdoors and there was beautiful sunlight hitting you. And you said that you didn't recognize that woman anymore. And that spoke to me because I, I'm like where I'm at in my life right now, I wanted this. And now I'm like, wait, who is this and where am I? So can you kind of speak a little bit to your experience with that, you know, having the vision, having the vision come true and then not even recognizing yourself. Am I kind of gathering what you shared from that post? Oh yeah. I mean, I urge you listener, you Julia to, you know, take a gander through your iPhone photos because you can search by year now Mm -hmm. and just scroll and close your eyes and and stop after about seven scrolls and see where you get some of you might be better than me and like save your photos on an external drive but let's be (laughs) honest I don't do that so I I can do that often and land on photos where I'm like oh wow look at her look at that person and it's not look at me it's look at her look at that person look at her over there and so that photo I posted recently, I, you know, I'm in a flannel, a vest, I've got big boots on, a beanie, I've got the gorgeous Rocky Mountain background, it's my dear friend's backyard. And those shoes were actually gifted to me from a company that I actually partnered with for a couple of years, learning about earthing and um, sustainable footwear. And yet... When I look at that photo, my hair's longer, and I don't wear my hair like that anymore. So I always love physical cues. Um, I've basically morphed into trying to look like Ruth Bader Ginsburg now. So I look very different, like a low ponytail (laughs) bun and huge glasses. And I'm like looking at all my Ruth paraphernalia. I'm like, oh, wow, I've like tried to become Ruth. So that's interesting because even the way that I style myself right now doesn't match what I saw in that photo from two years ago. And then those boots, those damn boots, you know, I, um, I feel like got a little lost on Instagram with the whole, like being a micro influencer and people sending me free shit. And I say that with the utmost vulnerability because some of my old patterns in life run deep where, you know, my sweet mama was a coupon cutter and, you know, we always were looking for like the discount. And so Mm -hmm. when I started to get free stuff, I was like, well, this is, this is how it works. I've made it. (laughs) I don't have to pay for a pair of shoes. And so, you know, my old patterns of teen life, watching my mom, cut coupons and shop for swimsuits for next year at 70% off in the winter, you know, really flared. And so that was interesting because 
I got, I think in the last couple of years, especially a little lost in that. Wait, who am I? Who am I representing this brand? And who do I want to be? And it happened to me actually, Julia, at Lululemon, most likely when you met me. That Chicago life for a year was really chaotic in my identity. I tell people often when I worked at Lululemon, which I'm so grateful and love the company, but damn, for like a year and a half there, I was Lululemon. Like I didn't have a name. It wasn't I'm Jackie Carr. It was I am Lululemon. I am four-way stretch spandex. I'm flat seamed and I moisture wick because that's who I was. And I really lost myself at that company and I lost myself again in a bit of the Instagram branding and making money and how to, how to, how to, how to make it on social media. I really loved social media at the start, but we'll talk about how that spiraled. Um, so when I look at that photo, I can feel um, pangs of um, lost sense of self in those shoes. Mm-hmm. I can feel um, the moment I cut seven inches off my hair earlier this year, my grandmothers were like, why did you cut your hair? I've always had, even since like when I was young, I've have, I'm blessed with like thick ass hair. My mm-hmm. sisters are so pissed. I'm talking about it right now. And I've always had long hair. So they're like, don't get it. Cause they always saw me with long hair. And my grandmothers were like, why did you do that? Cause it shocks people and it shocks you. Cause you look different. Um, and of course, when I peel back those layers, I feel different after this pandemic and, um, the, the human rights awakening we're in, I, I feel like a different person as well. And so I don't really wear that flannel. I still have it and it's, it has holes in it now. So it doesn't even look the same. Um, those jeans definitely don't fit anymore. And, when I move somewhere or take on a job, I like really, I mean, I moved to Colorado. I was like, well, I better go buy some chocos. Like I really go to the extreme. I'm not like an easy glider here. I'm like, let me become Colorado. Look at my beanies. <laughs> and um, I think when I see that photo, it was like a bit of ego, a bit of identity loss and a bit of um, performativeness. Mm-hmm that I don't relate to right now. And so while it's still my body, my, my, my eyes, um, it's definitely a a past version of self in that photo. Yeah, I can relate. And, um, particularly like the performative and a question I have for you now is, so you, if I'm gathering this correctly, you did Chicago, LA. So you, I think you said, I I've listened to a lot of podcasts that you've been on. So it's like you started in LA, you went to Chicago, went back to LA, went to Denver, got married before or after, or you're more so just Colorado, not Denver. You're in the Denver area. So you went to Colorado, got married, had your kids. That's like a lot of, a lot of movement, a lot of, you know, different yeah. energies. Um, so as you're navigating all these changes and I, struggle not to project my own experience. Like going into motherhood, I went through this awakening where it's like everything and all the identities and all the titles I had held fell away right before I became a mom. And so I entered in motherhood and I was really lost yet 
I know that social media is only one view of someone's life, but from my seat looking at you, it seemed like you just like walked in stride to motherhood. And now you're sharing like, oh yeah, I was, there was like a performative element and, you know, I was losing myself and, and all of these other things. So can you kind of speak to now how motherhood also played a role in that? Cause I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the ages of your daughters. I know they're relatively young. So I'm, I'm like, you're also more or less a new mom in the mix of all of this as well. So how did that factor into everything? Well, let's just call a spade a spade. Anytime you're doing a photo shoot for Instagram or a brand, it's performative period. Yes. Okay. Instagram is a performative platform period. People are watching. It's voyeuristic. You you might have like a private platform. My friend just started a private one so he can follow thought leaders. Like he's following 10 people and no one has his Instagram. I'm like, oh, that's, that's different. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like it's still a place of performance. Mind you, I love performing. I love yeah. getting on, you know, a stage. I love this podcast interview. It's still ingrained mm-hmm. in who I am. I look back sometimes. I did an acting class in uh, high school. And I'm like, wow, should I have done theater? And I probably will in my 80s. It's actually in my goals to join a theater club at some point, wherever I go, and um, see how that feels. Because there is always a performer in me. I was a dancer, and um, I've always been loud, and I love people, and I don't get stage fright. So all that really works in my favor. So performative is something you have to learn how to rein in for someone like me who it feels like a strength. It feels like a skill that not only supports my business, but also supports my identity. I feel really mm-hmm. good on a stage most times. I'm like, there was times in 2019 where I felt more me on a stage in front of 200 people than not. Yeah. So c- calling that out is, I think, beautiful. It's graceful, right? Like, it's not like, well, Jackie, stop being so performative. Like, that would actually be harmful to my identity, you know, embracing Mm -hmm. all of who we are, I think is part of this human journey. So that definitely um, was something I had to learn about myself. And then as I became a mother, so you're right, I moved to Colorado. Chris and I always knew we wanted to live in Colorado. It was like a shared vision. And, you know, I had a co-founder and a business in LA. I had all my connections in LA. So it was actually really scary to leave LA and to be like kind of nerdy for a quick second with y'all. I had a friend tell me that, you know, her mom had passed away and she was speaking to, you know, her mother and her angels through signs. And I was like, I love this. Let me try it. I try anything, you know, Julie, I'll take it on to the next level. So her signs were like numbers, coins, or feathers, she said. So she's like, I'm gonna look for feathers. And she sees them all the time. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. So... (laughs) When I asked one day if it was time for me and Chris to move to Colorado, because he was like, ready, he's ready. It was me. I was like, I don't know. Like, how do I maintain my business? How do I continue this life? What about our friends? Blah, blah, blah. Our comfort. And I came home after asking that question. Chris had gotten a new puppy while I was out of town. So that's a whole nother story. And I had let Moose out and Little Moose had eaten my down comforter. And I walked into my house and there were these like tiny little feathers everywhere in the living room. I was like, what's this? And I walk into my bedroom and there were feathers all over the place, like layered on the floor, on the wall. There was like a surfboard on the wall. And so it was like time to go. I just love, like, that's how Chris and I moved to Colorado. That happened in October. We practiced our little Prius by December. 
and we, we moved to Colorado. So I love that decisions can be made like that. I offer that up because I think sometimes people look at me as a goal coach, like I have my shit together. Well, I moved to Colorado because I saw feathers, just so you know. <laughs> and when I moved here, Chris and I did get married in Colorado that year. And then the next year we had our first child. So you're right. A lot of pivots, you know, we're still building community. We didn't know anyone have no family here. Chris and I just knew we wanted to be in Colorado. And I, I love, I love that you say I just strided into motherhood because social media is a facade, right? And I definitely loved pregnancy. Ooh, I loved it. I love being pregnant. That was so fun. I, um, often share that pregnancy with Evergreen, my first child, she's five now, was the first time I really fell in love with my body ever in my whole life. And I know that's not everyone's experience. Pregnancy can be so gnarly and sicky and hard. And you can have very traumatic experiences getting pregnant, of course. And I, I honor everyone's different journey. But mine was the first time I loved my body as a woman. And I thought that was pretty monumental. So perhaps that euphoria came through because I'd never looked at my body that way. And I know that sounds sad, but if we grew up in the 80s and 90s, I imagine quite a few of you women feel what I'm feeling of. I you know, dealt with body dysmorphia and different exploration of, of diets until I was probably 28. And that's a long time to be on yeah. a diet and to not like the temple that we reside in, right? And so that's where I think pregnancy was so eye-opening to me was falling in love with your bodies, even in your 30s. What a journey. What a gift to myself and from my child. I thank her for that. Um, however, when I had Evergreen, you know, birth went pretty well, you know, hard, whatever. However, I remember, Julia pulling open my email two days later, I had Evie at the end of April and on like May 1st, I was like, well, I should send a newsletter. What's maternity leave? What's that? I didn't really see my mother take one. Mm -hmm. She had my youngest sister when I was 14. And like I said, she was a teacher at my school. My mom was back at work six days later in the nineties wow. wow. in her jeans. Wow. So let's not even talk about the comparison there, but I didn't see someone take a break you know, I really didn't have that example. So I was like, well, Evie's sleeping. I should probably send a newsletter. So my business continues. So I start writing this newsletter, Julia. <clears throat> and I think it was like two days or a day later, you know, I hadn't finished it, but I actually had a pretty traumatic experience where I had a, what, what, what some people know is a postpartum hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. And I went to the ER. Most time it happens when you're already at the hospital, like right after birth. But this, it's very rare for it to happen once you're home. And, oh man, that rocked me. It rocked me. I lost a quarter of my blood. Wow. And I chose not to have a blood transfusion, which some days I really regret. <laughs> it took me 30 days to recover, like really be able to walk up my stairs. Chris had to carry me up my stairs for 30 days. I would faint every day. I had to have people fly out like my best friend, Mary Beth and my dad flew back out. Like people had to come out because I couldn't walk up the stairs alone. Chris was off work and on work, right? He was a teacher at the time. And so it was interesting to be a mother, a new mother having to go through the ER four days later 
and then really looking at like, oh God, Julia, there's so many fucking things. Writing that newsletter. And then I tried to put these jeans on, on like day four, not old jeans. They're still pregnancy jeans. Like I, of course, wasn't trying to be my mother, but perhaps subconsciously was. And I put these jeans on that I'd worn all through my pregnancy. They had like the spandex at the top. And I think that's what caused the hemorrhage to happen was the jean button. Wow. And so there's so much learning there of forcing things that weren't ready, work, body, jeans. Um, and so motherhood for me was just right. Those first 30 days were like, yo, you think you have control. You think you're going to go back to the way things were. And that isn't it, girl. Lay your ass down and we'll figure it out. And I had to. I've, I've eaten like mussels and all this shit with iron in it. And so for 30 days, I really had, I think, a reckoning of self. And I had to start to ask myself, like, first of all, we all, I think a lot of people ask me, wow, who am I now? <laughs> right? Like you said, like, who am I? What's this mom thing? Um, what's happening to my boobs? Oh my God, that whole thing. And I really um, found that motherhood slapped me in the face in the most graceful, loving way, like a love slap. And was like, hey, wake up. It's going to be different now. You got to make some different choices. You got to feel your way around. You fell in love with this body. Cool. Now it's time to listen to that love. And I was like, all right. And so, you know, I took that 30 days. And I think ever since that experience, I've changed and had to, um, instead of be so controlling in my goals and in my days, really listen to my needs and my children's needs and my partner's needs and make changes accordingly. And so my business has changed drastically since I had my first child. Um, and may, perhaps that looks like being in stride because I think when we listen and are tuned in, we do get our stride, right? But I don't find Instagram or Facebook an easy place to really authentically share how you're feeling. I think it's a sacred sharing that isn't meant for Instagram. And so most of what I went through was with my family and friends mm -hmm. and a really small community I was starting to build in Colorado. And so, you know, launching into motherhood with love of the body and then trauma in the body and starting to sift through how to listen has been and will be, I think, my forever journey as a mother. Definitely. And, and I've seen you post in the past about how you've navigated that, like working with a naturopath and, um, and readjusting yeah. your practices and something that you have spoken to that's always really resonated to me is like working through lunch or not taking breaks. And that's <laughs> things that I did before motherhood too. And then it's like right. almost becomes impossible to ignore your own needs. And it's like, motherhood is this very dynamic, complex experience where it's like, you're often neglecting your needs, but then it's like some needs can't be neglected. I don't even know how to verbalize no. that, but yeah, it sounds like that has been the journey for you where you're layering on those other experiences now of having to be in your body in a different way. And, yeah. um, and yeah, so now you have two children. So how old's your second daughter? Three. Three. Okay. So a five-year-old and three-year-old. Um, how, what's, 
what's mom life with two kids right now? Oh my word. So the things they say are true about like going from one to two being like a very challenging transition going from, um, Evie at age like 25 months. So right turned two years old to having Nora. Ooh, that was intense. Cause my second child doesn't sleep <clears throat> still okay. and knows what she wants and is witty and a little sarcastic like my husband. So she drives me nuts a little bit in the best way. And like tantrum city, like not, not the right color jacket. I'm like, wow, I'm like so angry and so inspired at the same time. So, you know, having two was a big transition and Chris and I actually had to make a lot of decisions with two kids and Chris actually, um, left the field of teaching. He was at that point, pretty unfulfilled and came into the house to be a stay at home dad, which was pretty cool. We, you know, doubled down on my job, investing in my voice, my career, my offerings, my gifts, while Chris at the time navigated having young children and thank God, cause the pandemic hit and Chris was already a stay at home dad. So that was a really powerful shift in, in our relationship. I just remember there was banana bread and this pumpkin beer and a late night conversation where we made that decision. And I just love that you can like remember the textures of conversations that change your life. So that was really fun. I just, I dream of a bigger kitchen now because I think it's where the most important conversations in my life have always happened. And <clears throat> we, we actually, you know, I'm, I'm not public about this on social media, but I'll share with you. We have a third on the way. So we have three oh. children actually. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> How far along are you? If you're willing to share. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, right almost at the halfway mark. So I'm an 18 month or, Oh God, thank God I'm not an elephant <laughs> in 18 months. I'm 18 weeks. And so navigating two children while pregnant has been really interesting because this, this pregnancy has not been as graceful as the other two. And so I've been pretty down and out in the first trimester with nausea and sickness. And we had some viability questions in the beginning that was pretty daunting. And, you know, um, we've had to navigate being tired and also growing our third child. So um, I, I love being a mother. It's so damn challenging. Like I just saw myself, I don't know if you ever witness yourself as a mother where you pull out of yourself and watch. And I saw myself pretty tired last night and I, I, you know, I didn't yell, but I had a tone when Evie spilled toothpaste and she was using a towel we had just cleaned and I got annoyed and I was a little mean and she's, very sensitive. And of course she's fine five seconds later, but I apologized. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, parenting is such a reflection moment to moment, second to second of, of how you're showing up, where your nervous system's at and how you recover, you know, especially when tired or maybe a little sad about the world or climate change, whatever it may be, and learning how to really hold two emotions at one time, so much love and um, responsibility for your child while also navigating your own inner dialogue and emotions itself. 
So that's where I think I'm at with, with two children and one on the way is again, asking the question of what I want to be doing with my time and how do I want to be showing up for and with my children? And it's changing again. You know, every time I have a child, it changes and they, they do show you the way as well as listening to your own guidance, um, honoring where you've come from while also creating a future that's unique to your relationship, your world you're in. And so that's where I'm at with, with two. It's, it's so fun because they're so, my children are so different. Um, you know, Evie is basically a replica of myself. People are like, oh my God, she looks just like you. And she acts just like me. She's like a goody two shoe. She loves to do the right thing like me. And, you know, I don't think Nora's going to care what other people think. And she's going to tantrum. And I'm like, wow, like, look at these two different children. And the way you raised one child, perhaps solo, doesn't work for the second. Even though you're like, wouldn't it be nice if it did? It doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And so again, you have to be in this space of listening. Mm-hmm. I've had to really ask myself, do I know Nora? Nora, she's three years old. Do I know her? Do I know what she likes? Have I listened? And so while I think sometimes we get this idea and notion that motherhood is so much about leadership and guiding your child and shaping your child, I think that's only a small part of it. For me, it's so much about listening to who they are and navigating from that place. And it's daunting, Julia, because it can change your vision. It can change your goals in a snap. And so that's where I'm at. Yeah. So what you just said, you know, change your goals and your vision. I want to get to that, but I want to pause quickly because a woman that we both know, Ashley Tracy, she was actually on the podcast a couple episodes ago. And as I was recording with her, I was practically crying because she was like more or less like describing Sloan in different ways. It was just like helping me see her in such a better light because Sloan kind of sounds a lot like your daughter, Nora. Sloan's my daughter. And Sloan, like you, I have friends who are like, oh, here, child, here's your meal. And they set it in front of them. No questions asked. Sloan's like, I don't want this. Like, this is what I want. Like, she's like 100% knows what she wants. I have to ask her, like, she has to have a lot of say in what she's eating, what she's wearing, where we're going, what we're doing. And I, I have people in my life who are like, you're a pushover. You let her control you. And then I ended up doing a reading with Ashley and prior to like really not having a lot of background on Sloan at all. She was like, wow, like Sloan needs a lot of independence, needs a lot of attention, you know, really needs to be able to make decisions in her life. And it was such a deep breath for me because I'm like, yes, that's exactly what she needs. And I've almost felt guilty for doing that. Cause I felt like I've been, you know, too lax in parenting. Um, and that has been such a conundrum for me because I had this vision of how things were going to go. And that's not how I, in my vision, you know, I was like, Oh, like routine structure, like, you know, creating like healthy boundaries. And while that's there, it's showing up so differently than I imagine it to be. And so prior to our conversation, I was like, I'm going to ask a very selfish question during our interview, because I want to know your vision, your goal coach. Um, I, 
and I'm at this place now where I'm 21 weeks pregnant and like Sloan completely oh, like so blew out. Yeah. She can, she, like, I had this vision of how things were going to go. And then the vision that I had doesn't fit with her energy and personality. Right. So I'm like, I don't even know how to see into the future with my next child because I'm like, I have no idea how they're going to arrive to this earth and what they're going to bring. And it's a boy. And I have a lot of like, (gasps) I've had to work a lot navigating (laughs) in my mind because similar to you, like I've always been very feminist and like women's rights empowerment. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to factor in how we're going to have like positive masculinity conversations and inclusive of the male now because it's always been like, you know, fuck the patriarchy. And um, so, yeah, it's just been so complex. And so I, I was curious, my question is where I'm going with all this is how do you navigate creating visions and goals with young children? Because they're just constantly like changing and evolving. And then I think I'm going to go one direction and they're like, no, we're not going to do that. Or it's like, I think I'm going to start this project. And then Sloan has like a massive sleep regression. (laughs) I'm exhausted because I'm not sleeping. So I don't have the energy to do that. So how have you kind of navigated that? And now, now that I know that you have another child coming, how, how do you look into your future with so much unknown, but then create a vision out of it? I don't even know if that makes any sense. I hope it does, but yeah, um, yeah, I'd love to hear that from you. Well, congrats to you. I love that we're like three weeks apart. That's so fun. Yeah. You're doing February? February 22nd. Yep. Oh my God. Oh wait, is that an Aquarian boy or a Pisces? So it's right on the cusp, like a couple days. Oh, apart. I'm an Aquarius. I hope you have a crazy yeah. Aquarian like me. Um, that's so fun. You can still fuck the patriarchy and love men yeah. at the same time. I love Liz Plank from For the Love of Men is her book. and She has yep. an amazing... Mm-hmm. She speaks on Man Enough podcast. Anyways, I just love her language in um, redefining masculinity. So I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the world that you'll be raising a boy. That's so awesome. I'm having a third girl. So it's just more and more girl love. Um, (laughs) I would say, though, this is such a good question. Okay, so listen. You've never written a vision with certainty before anyways, just so you know. And I think we think we, we do that. Like you and I are like, yeah, we're pretty stable before we were mothers, like kind of false. Like I've never probably used the language of stable for myself, but I'm also an Aquarian. So I think that's part of my MO. And when it comes to visioning and goals, and this is what I'll, I'll have to write this book. It's in some, it's in my goals courses. And if you don't embrace uncertainty in goal setting, whether it's embracing failure of a date of the goal Whether you have three visions versus one, I highly recommend more than one vision. One vision is way too narrow for most of us. And I think we get this idea of like, well, shit, it's right here. I only have one board. How do I fit all my vision paper on here? You start a new board or you turn it over and you glue on the back. And I think we have this language that I actually believe is is hyper-masculine in goal setting that's analytical, logical very thought out step by step. And it's this way or else. That's how I was taught goals, to be honest. And in in college, smart goals, I, I, I just don't even deal with smart goals anymore. But I think, you know, the thing about smart goals for me is that R says realistic. Well, that's, how do you know what reality is going to look like in five minutes, much less five years? 
So please don't set realistic goals. It's such a load of shit. So I love this question of setting a vision in times of uncertainty, whether you're looking at the world right now or you're looking at your own inner world. Uncertainty will always be a card that has to be played. And once I think we can befriend uncertainty, befriend failure, and befriend the delete and edit button, they're always right in front of you. Look at us. We're sitting in front of a computer. Delete's right there. Oh, enter's right there. Okay, caps lock when I want to emphasize something. Got it. Escape, escape. You know, like all of this is right here in front of us at all times. And yet we don't even gift ourselves the opportunity to edit our goals. Change our goals when you add a family member to the mix that has a different value set than you do. And so I honor the uncertainty in my vision with this one tactic that I got from a woman in Pittsburgh. She was vision boarding and she cut out this Polaroid and left the picture inside the Polaroid from like a magazine blank. And so there's this big white square on her vision board and you know, you heard about my past type A perfectionist. I want every single piece covered and glued. And so I walk up her. I'm like, Hey, what's happening? What are you going to put in there? She said, nothing. I'm like, what is this big white blob? And so she's like, Jackie, you know, there's so much, um, I don't know about the future. There's so many people. There's so many parts of myself I have not met yet. So I'm leaving blank space in my vision to become and meet and explore what will be. I was like, well, let me just give you the microphone. I shouldn't even be leading this workshop because it's just fucking blew my mind. So that's what I do. I always leave blank space in my vision, blank space on my paper. I always leave blank space in my goals now because it made me rigid. It made me like almost tight grip my future. And there's a 80s song I always play by 36 special called hold on loosely. And the lyrics say, hold on loosely, but don't let go. If you cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. And I used to cling so tight to my goals, which could be pretty performative. You want to check a goal off because people might have read it or saw you post about it. And yet the human experience has grace delete and edit. And those buttons are because of uncertainty and mistakes and take twos and children that show you a different way of being. So I always have more than one vision. You can write your goals in pencil. And I befriend uncertainty as most likely the only constant that is available in our lives. Yeah, that's that really that hits it pretty hard right there. And I love the 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 analogy of the blank space on the vision board because that's what my life is right now. It's like I have these ideas. Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna land. So that's such a beautiful analogy. What a smart, wise woman in Pittsburgh to share that. Um I'm curious specifically as much as you want to share or not want to share what does some of your, like, what are some of the multiple visions you're holding now that you're going to be welcoming a third girl into your family in March, I'm guessing is when that's happening, mm-hmm. your timeline yeah. wise. And, um, particularly like you shared a lot, how you're in a pivot. I loved the newsletter that you sent out, um, where you were saying that you're in like a creative, uh, 
funk. I don't remember what void. was the word that a was. Void. void. It is funky though. It's very funky. Yes, create a void. Can very much relate. Um, how are you kind of navigating that? So it's like you have this big change that's coming, and you're in a personal pivot yourself. You're in a creative void. How are you moving through that day to day? Yeah. I, I liken life to like moments where your vision feels so clear or visions plural. And then moments where you have like a blurry vision or like, you know, you can only see certain things. And so right now my, my vision is very bare bones. You know, what I see most often these days is oak trees space that I, um, have cultivated with, with, with Chris and our children. It's green. Um, there is like, it's funny. My grandparents had a gravel driveway, like all these rocks. And so I I keep seeing rocks that before you get to the grass, um, and I see a tire swing. That's it. So that's all I got right now. I can't wait. I'm having actually a vision board event tonight. So I've got like oak trees, grass, rocks, like little rocks, not like my big rocks that I see out here in my front yard, like a boulder um, and a tire swing, which we so don't have, by the way. Yeah. So I'm like, are there oak trees in Colorado? No, there aren't. No. Okay. I'm there are um, river oak. So yes, there are river oak, which I went and looked at recently, see how the river oak of Colorado felt. But I grew up in Texas. I'm not moving to Texas, but I grew up under a large oak tree. And okay. so it doesn't mean I'm moving to oak trees. It could mean I'm going to see an oak tree with this tire swing where kind of like the alchemist, you know, there's my treasure. Um, it doesn't have to mean anything gargantuan, mm-hmm. but it showcases a space that I will go and I'll find. Or okay. I'm open to finding. Have you read the book, The Over Story? Of course I have. Okay. I'm reading it right I'm obsessed now. with him. <laughs> okay. This podcast um, recently with Ezra Klein was gorgeous. We should put it in show notes if you want I to listen because he has a yeah, new book out. Yeah, I, I know. When I went to uh, pick up my copy at the bookstore, the woman was like, oh, are you reading this in preparation for his new book? I was like, no, I'm just reading it because it's been on my list for a while. And yeah, it's really uh, rocking my world in a big way. So I'll I'll link to that as well. But yeah, it, it more or less the book continuously ties trees back into storyline um so yeah that was a complete when you said oak I, that just what came into my mind but yeah so yeah such an aside yet yeah I love I love the looseness of it and I also love the multiple visions I think that gives me a lot of permission and I hope for those listening a lot of permission as well because like there's a woman inside of me that still like deeply wants to live in New York City but that vision is so different from other visions that I have for my life and sometimes I feel like there's a competition there and I'm like maybe I should just create multiple visions and then yeah kind of alchemist style see where I flow from there and like like you our our second child you know, doesn't sleep. So we thought we'd be this family that was like camping every weekend. Well, that doesn't happen because it's miserable. (laughs) Like it's not fun. We tried it last year. We're like, this is terrible. And as she grows older, perhaps we'll try again. And perhaps we won't because you can find adventures and camping in so many different ways. You can camp out at a museum. You Mm -hmm. can camp out 
in the Rocky Mountain National Park, or you can camp out in a, in a grandparent's backyard. And so um, something Chris and I are talking about that I think you'll love is we had this vision, Chris and I, and we had this vision, you know, before we got married to move to Colorado, raise our kids in flannel, raise our kids in the hiking trail, respecting the earth, learning about wildlife, which by the way, I can just check mark all those. We do that. My kids do a cleanup of our neighborhood. We go to the trails, they see the elk and, you know, it's a really gorgeous and they wear a lot of flannel. So there's a gorgeous vision that has come to life already. And that doesn't have to be done or it doesn't have to maintain. They could wear spurs and cowboy boots in the future because one of them becomes a pig farmer. I mean, whatever it may be. And what we're learning is, and what we're inquiring, I should say, is this was Chris and I's vision to live here in Colorado. And we have done both individual, this is what I want to tell you as well, this we've done both individual and relationship family values. Okay. And so when you're in a pivot and change, I would say my answer to your question is like, how do you navigate that would be values like a letting visions be uncertain and letting them be plural. And then having your values, your core values clear. My definitions are, are evolving. The values have somewhat stayed the same right now. Um, values like nature and family and service and growth. And um, I maintained those actually through most of my life, even if it's looked different. Even if some of my service was so intrinsically connected in high school to the church, and now it's not. Now it's more connected per se to the earth. So that can be how you inquire in knowing your truth now versus having all the answers in your future. So that's very grounding for us. And when we look at, you know, as your children grow, three and five is a little young to be doing values work. I'd be interested, you know, to see what Evie cares about friends and school and whatnot. But values work allows you to be like, cool, like this can, you can live your values anywhere, wherever you go, your values go with you. If you remember, (laughs) if you're aware, if you're intentional and we looked at each other recently and we're like, Hey, was Colorado our vision? And is it our family's vision still? And we get to answer yes or no. We get to ask the children what they like to do. Perhaps would they like to explore something else? Nora like really is opposed to the city. Like we go into Denver and she's like, I don't really like it here. I'm like, cool. You don't have to come here if you don't want to. Um, I imagine she will when she's older, but maybe not. You know, we, we don't have so many amenities. We don't even have like a, a museum or a zoo or things kids do. Right. And so I love this idea of choice that you always have choice to craft your vision and I do feel with the self-help generation that I perhaps am stuck in where I go directly to the self-help section at the library. I sometimes worry that it's a little narcissistic. Like have Chris and I been narcissistic in our vision for our individual self of what we dreamed for our family. And now that we're meeting our family, has it changed? Does it look different? We had our children's charts read by Ashley as well. And Nora needs space. 
Mm. of course. And she needs somewhere to go outside independently and get all of her energy out or she will not sleep. I'm like, fuck, I know. And my other child is very intelligent and will need to be talked to because she will easily hide her emotions in this facade of, like me, performative or doing the right thing, which I love because you meet your children. Well, as Ashley says, if y'all have listened to that pod through their moon sign until they're eight years old. And I loved that because it was such a click for me and Chris. We took Nora to Chicago and her grandparents have a huge backyard and she would just go outside and run in circles or go to the garden. And I was like, wow, like our backyard (laughs) is a mountain and it doesn't really like lend to her running around. We do let the kids go out front. We're learning a lot about free range parenting and like you've explored independence and not watching them every five seconds so they can explore their own boundaries without us telling them what they are. And yet our front yard is a slope and goes down into a road. And so there's a swing we built, but it's also, you know, on a mountain ledge. So it is interesting to navigate. Is our vision changing? Because our landscape of our life has changed. And where will that actually take us geographically, landscape wise? And I think instead of being hard on yourself, we're like, I thought this was it. We already own this property. We've put so much sweat equity. Chris put hardwood floors, like all this stuff you could do. It's the ability to stay curious with the uncertainty. And I'm so grateful for my first daughter to listen intuitively to what feels good. And if it doesn't feel good anymore, you get to go to New York with your kids and it can be super weird and there's a stroller or you're on the subway, but that might be riveting for you. And your kids might be like, fuck, this is amazing. Let's do it. And you might do it. Like I did in Chicago. I only made it one year because the winters were awesome. Excuse me, awesomely hard. (laughs) And I went back to LA, but we have choice always to explore and be curious with what we are feeling and how we change. So that's where I'm at with vision goals and a nod to my values and what feels like an anchor in times that are so pivoty. Yeah. I love that. I was like, I don't even know what my values are right now. So I think that's where I'm going to start. Yeah. So TVD on that. And I wanted to save a couple of minutes because one thing that I'm like, I really need to talk to you about this is social media because mm. you had the email that went out yesterday where you shared, you know, like you're kind of dabbled in going back on and it's so important for your business. And yeah, like I'm just at such a loss with it. Um, and I just would love for you to share with listeners like how you're navigating that platform. Because as moms, particularly like, and I've gotten such great resources for, for motherhood from it. So I actually kind of have what I call like a dummy account that I can go on where I'm just following people and no one's following me. So it's like a safe yeah. space, you know, um, just for learning and curiosity and growth. Yet, now that you're going to be welcoming a, a new baby, um, I don't know what your plans are for maternity leave this time around. How do you see yourself, you know, navigating 
that with your pivot and your creative void? Like, where are you at with all of that right now? Well, I will always take a maternity leave. I read okay. Kimberly Ann Johnson's The Fourth Trimester, and I loved it, as well as what I went through with Evie. Uh, it, it feels like a choice I have to make for my body. I can't mm-hmm. say um, postpartum recovery is has ever been easy for me. That would be the hardest part in um, my experience as a mother. It's really hard for me. Um, I would say the, the seven to eight weeks after is um, my hardest, most challenging time. And I could never be my best self as a coach while navigating that. So I've learned that, of course, and I was taught it within days with my first child and again with my second. So um, even if it is easy with the third, I will still take that time um, because I want to stand for women taking time to heal. Like even if I'm healed in two days, please God, let that happen. But um, I will still take the time because I, I want that belief. I want that stand. I want my children to see that. So that's where I'm at with that. And with social media, I am on a break. I shared in my newsletter yesterday some of my insights that I'm feeling. I'm, I'm now like, I guess a month off. I thought I'd take two weeks off, but I didn't come back. I was like, I don't want to come back. So I haven't yet. I do have it downloaded as of yesterday to kind of sneak around and see how it feels. I'm not, I don't feel called to post or this like come back post, whatever. I don't know what that looks like or feels like. It might be nothing, you know, it might be like a cool pair of shoes. <laughs> no. And um, why I left though, it's so interesting. I think, you know, you're pregnant. I'm, I'm pregnant as well. And every time I get pregnant, my kids are like knocking with new ideas. And this one's like, yo, this ain't it, mom. This shit ain't it. And it's so interesting, like what you're exposed to as you start to navigate, like there's a book called E Squared My Dad Loves. And it's like, if you think of a yellow car, you'll see like yellow cars for the next like six days, like law of attraction style. And so that's what's happening to me. Like people keep sending me like a Cal Newport interview. And I'm reading um, Dopamine Nation by Anna Lemke about how social media actually can rewire your brain. and um, your dopamine and serotonin levels, which is, you know, I'm interested in the body. I'm listening to it. I feel that. And, um, as I shared with you, you know, I got a little lost in what do I post and how do I be air quote influencer with all these products? And is that a way that I want to make money? And you have to, I really believe in life please embrace getting lost y'all because I get lost all the time. You have to get lost to get found. So I got a little lost the past two years in this formula that like, well, if you have a lot of followers, you'll get a book deal. If you have a lot of followers, you make a lot of money. And if you have a lot of followers, you get free shit. Right. And so I was like, well, this is great. But it started to not feel great mental health wise for me. My husband would share how much I was on the phone. I would see it in my screen time. I would see it with my children. I would choose to look at my phone. And um, a client of mine asked me, well, don't you have willpower? And can't you set boundaries? And of course, like I coach people on boundaries and willpower. And I'm like, listen, my answer is no. I don't have willpower. 
and I don't have healthy boundaries with social media. And I'm not going to make myself wrong for that because the people that created the app are the same people that create gambling machines in Vegas and the same people that do app construction on Facebook of learning how to keep you there. They're fucking with my brain. And so I was like, for a while, I, I felt so bad about myself. I was like, why can't I quit you? <laughs> and I've been learning that I've rewired my brain through these platforms that have been introduced. We're the first generation on them. There's no research for us to learn from. We are the experiment. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, hell no. And so when I take breaks, which I do often, a weekend, I usually take Sundays off when I'm on like a normal cadence. Um, when I take, I took a two week break earlier this year. This is me being the experimenter on Instagram. So instead of being experimented on, I'm going to experiment on it and check in with my brain and body. And so right now I'm in an experiment, not only with my mental health, my body, my parenting style, because I stopped sharing my children, even though they get the most likes, not comfortable sharing my children on Instagram. And listen, I love people that do. I like it. I think children are adorable. I watched this mom see her baby laugh for the first time on Instagram. I'm like, how special. And there was just a part of me that was like, I went to post them. We did like a cute photo shoot over Christmas last year. And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't share it. And I was like, what is the block? And I found that I had blurred the line of Instagram and sacred. I'd lost the language of what's sacred to me anymore. I thought everything had to be shared. This is what community looks like. and. There's a lot of people on my Instagram that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And that started to feel off for me. Whereas two years ago, it was very exciting. And now, you know, I'm going to be 38 in February. There's something around my 40s that feels pretty monumental. So that's exciting. Of course, the big change of having a child. And I had to take a break. I really believe in the power of taking a break from anything. I take coffee breaks. I drink coffee every day and usually in February and again in um, September, I'll take like a full week. I did a month this year with my naturopath just to make sure it was still something that supported my adrenals, supported my body and anything we're consuming, food, social media, people, we consume people, y'all, people's energy. You want to be, or I want to be, I shouldn't put that on y'all. I want to be in the practice of auditing these experiences, these people, these platforms that are utilizing a lot of my most precious asset, which is time. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm at. I'm in an audit and I will come back to Instagram, Julia, because my business is intrinsically intertwined. That did happen over a decade of being on Instagram and building an audience solely there. That was my main focus. It felt easy. So I went with it. And my newsletter is a much smaller audience. And so as I navigate a strategy to where I want to show up, um, will I be the one posting on Instagram? Highly, very highly unlikely that I will now bring on a team to explore what that feels like. I've always done it by myself. And I, oh, this is a big aha from here. Are you ready for this shit? You guys better tune in. For a long time, I loved when someone like you would be like, wow, you took motherhood in stride. Or Jackie, how do you do all the things that you do? Like, that's that's how we've been raised, I think, in a capitalist society as well, to hustle, do more. 
output more. And so I thrived in that ego zone of you being like, how do you get it all done? Tell me your tricks. I didn't have any tricks. I was burnt. And I am an Enneagram three and a manifesting generator. So those labels actually allow you to do many things at once, which I I can do. And I don't want to be known for that anymore. I don't want to be the person that's like, wow, look at all Jackie's titles. Wow. Look at all that Jackie does. Look how much money she has. Oh, that's a whole nother conversation. I don't like this idea of being glorified for doing more. And I know a lot of people have talked about this. I feel like Kate Northrup is a great speaker on this and this do less mentality that I don't think was ever available to me until now. And so I'm doing less. I don't have social media right now. And that has opened a ton of time in my calendar. Um, I don't do one-on-one coaching right now. Ton of openings in my calendar. Less money in my bank account. But again, I'm experimenting with what I like to do right now. And so as I navigate, one, what I probably would have said to you three weeks ago, that social media for me feels toxic. It doesn't feel that way right now. Anything you enter into will have the choice of negative and positive, evil and good. The world we live in, right? Like if I just was like, oh my God, Instagram's terrible. I'm leaving it. You could do the same thing with your community, with your world, with looking up any of the news headlines. And so I I did a clearing yet last week actually around like, I can maintain my integrity as a human with values, as a business with values on Instagram. Even if perhaps right now, I feel that their integrity is off. It doesn't mean my identity collapses with Instagram, which I believe was happening. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how I became Lululemon. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I do that. Patterns run deep. I became Instagram. So I thought I was feeding this beast of toxicity. And so I had to leave. I have to leave. And I do believe in leaving to check in, see how it feels. People do it often. Detoxes are great. But I realized like, it's not all bad. That That's so false. If I you know throw it all out, I've learned so much. I found the most incredible black female voices I want to learn from that I've invested in their courses that I would have never found, not on Instagram, or maybe I would have, someone might've sent me an article, but obviously it's much more efficient with Instagram. And I found, Oh, I love this. There's like people I follow who, who teach me so many things. Um, but my problem, Julia is like, I don't know how to get off of it once I'm on it. And in my lens of growth value, I'm like, look at me learning from all these thought leaders. And my problem with my own self is I'm learning, but I'm not doing. Mm. So I think I'm like scrolling and I'm like, look at me. I'm so, oh God, to use a terrible word, air quote, woke. Look at me. I'm so awake to what's happening in all these movements and all these different states. And honestly, I don't, I want to stay in lanes of of thought leaders I believe in. I joined, say, Rachel Cargill's Patreon. And I think there are communities I can join that are more focused with action versus scrolling Instagram and feeling like a good citizen. I mean, that is a brain mess when you feel like you're doing because you read a caption. that That was a big aha for me. I was like, look at me learning out here. 
like, you know, whether I'm sharing their post, you know, um, it's not, it doesn't feel aligned for my life anymore. I want to go to um, events. I want to be around collective energy, making change, even if they're not the most famous speakers, you know, which I think we get caught up in still on Instagram. So that's where I'm at in questioning, like, um, when I will return with a team that supports me because I have no boundaries and no shame around that. And also where is community created? If not on social media is my biggest question. And I guess perhaps I will be a catalyst for that. I will be someone that still hosts perhaps events or attends events that make sense for my values. My only issue is where do I find them now is my big question. Like I used to live in LA and there were websites that would post events every weekend, but that's Instagram now. And even before that, when I was younger, you would pull like a little paper from a flyer of someone's phone number to teach you guitar lessons. And there was a sweet graphic designer in my email yesterday that was like, well, flyers still exist. And I'm like, well, are we, uh, is it earth friendly paper? Is it compostable? Where? And I'm like, where do they exist? So her and I were talking about like, where do you create community as this gargantuan platform has really monopolized that conversation, that communication, that space. And again, it's really uncertain up in here. But I want to stay curious versus where I think for a while I felt victim or stuck or locked in or handcuffed to Instagram when I always have choice. I think that's such a great way to end is the choice. And that's something that you kind of been a theme and a thread with uncertainty around vision, uncertainty around what's next. And um, yeah, that's where I'm going to kind of sit with is the inquiry. Like, what do I want? You know, how do I want to move forward and know that there's like many different avenues and particularly with social media. I loved how you speak, spoke to, it's not all bad. Cause I think about, it's like, I found most of my podcast guests through Instagram. Where would I have found right. them? You know, right. where would I have found them? Um, so yeah, lots to think about. And before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to leave behind today as kind of like a final word or a final thought? Or do you feel like you, have you said your piece? I always love to offer up this note that even though our, our world has moved to such a technical place, I still believe in email and snail mail and saying hello. You know, I loved DMs for a while on Instagram. Of course, now I'm not there. But people have been emailing me more now that I'm not on Instagram. I And not a lot of people. Like, I don't want you all to be like, oh, a thousand. No, it's like, you know, a handful. And I've like pen palled it up with a few people. This woman, Kellen and I this week have sent like somewhat of longer, insightful emails. And she was like, maybe you should start like a pen pal network, which don't think I haven't put that in the back of my brain for a thought later. But I feel like sometimes we forget to cross the bridge that there's like people back there. And even if I have this creative team running my Instagram, they're actually really cool people. I was on Zoom with them yesterday. And I think sometimes we forget 
to reach out and say hi. And, you know, you put things out into the ether, an event, a workshop, an Insta Live. Um, and I think people love the offering or the experience, myself included. I do this too. And we forget to reach out and say hi if anything resonated. And I've been really actively trying to like take a note of what resonated. Like if I did a class with Monique Melton or Brene Brown and write them, even if it's their team, I would just write and say, hey, I just want to thank you. Like this was the coolest thing I learned this week. And I fear community is a little lonesome right now because we're not saying hello, whether mm -hmm. it's on email or the coffee shop. And don't get me wrong, y'all. I am an Aquarius. I'm aloof and I don't say hi all the time. And I have really good boundaries, not with Instagram, but in my life, I'm a queen at boundaries. And I find though that navigating this change in our society, we are the experiment or we can experiment with what we want, like you said, with what our values are, with who and what we want to be consuming. And so I always offer, if possible, anything from what Julia or I said, like reach out to us, look at me throwing you in the mix, but reach out to me and be like, yo, this worked for me, or this was cool. Like, do you have a book on this? My favorite thing is recommending books. And I feel like as I slowly move away from Instagram, an email has become a little more prevalent. I like that. And so... I guess my call to action isn't anything about goals or vision, but perhaps it is around like, how are you cultivating community within what you are consuming? And if you're not, can you? Yeah. And when you do tell us how you do it, because a lot of people like you, Julia, and another woman yesterday are like, I hear you Jackie on Instagram, but where do we go? Yeah. If it's not Instagram or Facebook or if you're younger, TikTok, I'm not on there, but no, can't the ability that. to no, create community. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be in experimentation and curiosity because the truth is goals don't happen without community. Set it, mean it. It's true. And so we need, other, we need one another. We're as humans, we are wired for connection, whether it's Instagram or email or pen pals, or like me and Julie right now on a podcast, this is, this is a soul salve for me connecting with you. And so that's what I ask for more of community connection, continuing the bridge from consuming to creating an authentic connection. I'm so happy that you shared that because sometimes I'm like, I don't want to email that person. Like I, know. I don't want to, I don't want to bother them. I see it as such a bother. And I'm, I'm going to start doing that. Like, even if it's, emailing someone like Brene Brown, who she might not see it, you know, but at least it's it. like energetically there. Like, I love that. That's such a good, cause I put out there all the time. I'm like, email me what you think of the episode or what resonated with you. And I've gotten, and this is not an exaggeration five. I think this is, I, I believe I released the 12th or 13th episode this week and I've gotten five. But when I got those, I was like, oh my gosh. And it was so exciting. And so it's funny how you don't flip that around. It's like, right. So such good advice to leave us with. Thank you. Oh, good. Yeah. And so coming up, like you're going to be on Instagram a little bit. Sounds like email may be the best way to say connected. And you do, I love your newsletter because 
it's a story. Like it's not, it's not just your offerings. You always have something to add. Um, so how can people stay connected to you moving forward? Yeah. Well, my website's JackieCar.com and a pop-up will come to join the newsletter or you can just email me and say, add me and I'll do it pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And my email is hello at JackieCar.com. See, you're already saying hi. So you just type out hello. It's pretty easy. <laughs> And then I'll be interested to see what you think. Um, I'll probably come back on Instagram with this cool team I'm exploring in Montana in November. And I don't know what it's going to look like, Julia. A lot of uncertainty. I asked them, I was like, well, do y'all sign your name? Are you pretending to be me? Because that doesn't really feel right. And so we're navigating what our team life will look like. And um, listen, I'm, I'm not going to promise this shit's going to be perfect, but I'm promise I'm trying something new because I'm alive and being alive is being curious about what you're creating and consuming. So roll with me if that feels exciting. And I really love to hear from people. So if you feel so called, pop us a hello, definitely pop Julia a hello about her podcast. Y'all, this is a labor of love. Girls working hard. And listen, you should see how she lit up about her five emails. Like, I'm like, shit, I'll send her an email in a second. It's weird. (laughs) Got to support people with what makes them happy. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Well, all that will be in the show notes, which I find it on the website, find it in wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you again so much, Jackie. Um, Love to have you on. And I'm going to listen to this and then I'm going to send you an email and and tell you what I got from it. You're the best. It's so right. fun to be in connection this way. Thank you. I, I feel honored to be um, an interviewee and I always learn about myself through your questions. So thank you for being so conscious and intentional. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share this episode with your friends and You can help us grow by subscribing, rating, and reviewing a podcast for moms on your favorite podcasting platforms. I'd love to connect with you. Feel free to direct message me on Instagram at a podcast for moms or send me an email, a podcast for moms at gmail.com. I can't do this alone. Together though, we are a movement of moms revolutionizing the world through radical motherhood.